Welcome to the Redheaded Preacher Podcast for August 27th, 2023. This is a different kind of recording because we recorded outdoors, because the service was outdoors in Skokie's Laurel Park. We do this every year primarily because our building becomes hard to get to because there's no place to park. Uh, unless you want to walk a few blocks, and we do have some elderly members, and um, they're not going to be walking a couple of blocks to get there. So we were, and why is it crowded, you know, with, with other vehicles and other things? Well, there's something in Skokie called the Backlot Bash, and it is a big festival. There are rides, there are, um, you know, places to get something to eat and to drink. Those are mostly across the street. There's a farmer's market on Saturday uh, because, uh, well, that doesn't affect us on Sunday, does it? But the bash is three days long. And there's a big concert stage right in front of our building. And so you're not going to be able to um, easily get up those front steps because there's security and a lot of cables and wires, and it's just not great. And uh, the parking lot is cons- is filled with rides or other things that are about the backlot bash. You, no one's going to park there. So we the, and so the village and the Skokie Park District said we want to be able to do this, but we'll want to make it fair for you. We'll give you the permit for free to have your service at Laurel Park, which is basically two blocks west and one block north. And uh, actually, a, a few blocks north. And, um, you know, we'll help you by bringing folding chairs there and whatever else you need a park district truck to bring to the service and to bring back to the church afterwards. So, we've been doing this for several years, and I hope that the sound quality is, uh, is adequate. I wasn't preaching from a pulpit, I used a music stand, as did our lector, Annie. And I just uh, hope that it'll sound okay. Um, everything went fine at the service. This message is about prayer. It's prayers that we find in Scripture, but also prayers that can be or already are part of our emotional and mental prayer life. So I hope you will uh, enjoy this exploration. It does go in a few different ways. It's, It's not one complete cohesive unit. Um, but the passages are that way too. So if you'll strap it in, as some people say, and, and prepare to listen to the scriptures about prayer and then an exploration of them has how they might be prayers that come from us and not just from scripture. I hope you'll be blessed. Annie, it's to you. This lesson says, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I believe enough of us have had experience with scripture, either by reading it, hearing it, or studying it, that we can call God's word worthy of praise. So Paul would have us think about the Bible because it's worthy of praise. As we prepare to listen, then I invite you to get ready with me to hear the worthy with a prayer for illumination. Let us then unite in the spirit of prayer. Loving and holy God, later this morning we'll hear a message about prayer. Move your spirit here and now among us. 
and within us, we pray. So what you have for us will find a home in our hearts and make a positive impact on our lives in prayer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first reading is from Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. I will bless the Lord at all times. God's praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt God's name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to God and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried, and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. This this is the end of our reading of Psalm 24. Our epistle lesson is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. This passage is somewhat well known because Paul says a lot of good stuff in a few words. Paul writes, probably from a Roman prison, Rejoice, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This ends the reading from the letters part of the Bible. Will those who are able please stand up for the reading of the Gospel? Today we have some passages from the Gospel according to Matthew. I'll begin with chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, and then chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. Jesus is speaking in the first one. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom comes, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And now from chapter 26, a passage from Monday Thursday night. Then Jesus went to the disciples, with the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, 
let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Here is a reading from the Gospel and our scriptures for this morning's service. May God give us a joyful and faithful understanding of this, God's holy word. And when you or I are in a very tight and maybe frightening spot, to whom do we turn? Our parents? Our husband, wife, or partner? Lots of us simply turn to ourselves and our own resources and our own strength. And then, of course, there's the song by the late Warren Zevon, who in this song was in trouble, and he famously sang, Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this. Well, a couple of sermons ago, I told you the story of when my 69 Camaro's engine greatly overheated while I drove through downtown Philadelphia on a Sunday morning. I prayed to God for help, and the car, almost immediately, began to calm down for the rest of the day. I prayed to God for help, and help was given in a miraculous style. In crisis, I felt I had no other choice but to turn to God. I know we want to say that we always turn to God first when we're in need of help or even deliverance. As the psalm says, to use that word, deliverance. But, you know, I don't always. That's human nature, I think, to look to ourselves first. The psalmist does not get into going anywhere else but the Lord, But the psalm also brings up another aspect of prayer besides praying for God to save our behind or to save face. Which, by the way, I've been told that you cannot save both at the same time. I will bless the Lord at all times, that psalm begins. And then we get some context. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. At the start, we heard heard words of praise and acclamation, even thanksgiving. And then we learned about God's delivering David from what he was afraid of and from what troubled him. The psalm then returns to praising God. So there's God's deliverance and there is praise. But it started with praise. And I asked myself, How often do I offer prayers of thanks and words of praise after God does set things right for me? (laughs) James Mays wrote a commentary on each of the Psalms, and about this one he wrote, The Psalm is a general thanksgiving that gives instruction 
in the theology of both phases of psalmic prayer, the cry for help and thankful praise for help. So how often, or maybe better, how long do we thank and praise God when God rescues us? Are we guilty of short memories? Can we not, do we not, pray for help and give thanks at the same time? Many of the Psalms demonstrate that. The Psalms and the prophets both cry out to God and give thanks. Either thanks in confidence that God will hear the prayers and and bring deliverance or the answer that's prayed for, or give thanks for past events when God saved the psalmist or the prophet or Israel, and that's been a basis for praise and crying out in faith that God who saved will do so again. In my reading of the Psalms and the Prophets, see, it sees both of these. And our prayers can as well. Like the Psalmists and the Prophets, you and I can be in very serious situations or some hot water and come to God praying for help. Those prayers in the Psalms and Prophets, and maybe ours, are mingled with thanksgiving because of the conviction that God shall hear the prayer and act to save. Or a slightly different approach knows that those prayers can be mingled with thanksgiving based on what God has already done in the past for them. Therefore, God can be trusted to act on the prayer's behalf, prompting more praise. Either way, when you and I come to God for for rescue or just for an answer or for a way out, a way above, when we come to God for these things, for someone surviving a delicate operation, for the chemo to fulfill its promise or its hope, for the patience that we have to have for dealing with that difficult person, there's always a reason to praise and thank God along with that. But as I read this and you know, read the psalm, and it seems like you know, the psalm saying, I, I always get what I pray for kind of thing. Well, what if our prayers are not always answered the way we wanted? Now, that's a whole other sermon in itself, but I thought it bears at least some touching on because the psalmist was like, I prayed for help, and God gave me the help. Yay. Well, is that a universal experience? I only know one person who said God answered her every prayer. I've had prayers denied. When my father went into a second and fatal heart attack, while the docs were working on him in the ICU, my mom came to me and Tommy and said, I don't know if you boys pray anymore or not, but if you do, you'd better start praying now. So I did. Can't speak for my brother. My eyes were closed. And we know how that turned out. Did I lose what faith I had? No. Did I still praise God? No. This does require, I think, some spiritual maturity to still exalt God when we or they are not delivered. Is there a way that you and I can soldier on in hope and faith and love when that kind of thing happens to us, as it does? At least, I'm assuming it does. I suggest that there is, and that we look first to Jesus for one possible and significant way. 
that way may be coming to accept what looks like God's will, which does not happen to include saying yes to our supplications. I'm not talking about a spirit of praise here now as much as a spirit of humility, a spirit of perspective, a spirit of priorities when it comes to God, a long view. Jesus himself was told no by the Father in his Garden of Gethsemane supplication. Jesus really did not want to be crucified. Luke tells of blood like drops of sweat falling from his brow. Matthew articulates the three times Jesus approached the Maker and begged for there to be another way than to pay the price for sin than going to the cross. Let this cup pass from me. And that refers to the cup of God's wrath at sin, a reference that's found in the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Now, I love the Good Friday hymn, My song is love unknown. But I hate the line which says, But cheerful he to Calvary goes. No, sir. To be crucified was basically to be tortured to death. But we know through Jesus' posture, although not one of supplication and thanksgiving intermingled, was supplication and God-centeredness. If there was to be no deliverance then and there, Jesus laid down the human will within him, and as he always did, dedicated himself to the will of God within him. He put down his ego, his human ego, his agenda to stay alive and pain-free so that God's will may be done. In this case, the will for the world to be saved, that the world would believe and follow him. I believe, that Jesus, I believe that Jesus also believed he would be raised again on the third day. The passage doesn't get into that. William Sloan Coffin once said, Not my will, but thy will be done. That is the perfect prayer. Well, to put God's plans first and not worry about being rescued or even surviving? We heard more than echoes of this spirit, not only in the Garden of Gethsemane reading, but also in the Lord's Prayer that Annie read, where we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in our prayer of confession to know God's will and be able to carry it out. So does this mean that whenever we call upon God for help and bad things happen anyway, that this is God's will to which we must submit? Well, I would say that we always ought to join the flow of God's will, not that bad things happening are due to God. Folks who don't know God really well, I think, are quick to blame God for tragedy or worse, when you know there are sinful men, women, and young people who create a lot of suffering and grief and death. Keith Richards of the Stones once years ago opined in Rolling Stone in an interview that God is to thank for things like AIDS, unanswered prayers. So this does not go for everything. But as God gave people the freedom to choose to love God so that it would be a sincere and deep and unprogrammed love that we feel and act upon, that means people are also free to deny God. God wants us to choose freely to love God for who God is. There's freedom. When people and groups freely decide the opposite, 
that, that you know, they're not interested in God, or they choose to, to not believe that there is a God, a lot of times, over time, in certain places and points in history, it leads to horrors, like what we see in Ukraine or the Holocaust, sexual assault, slavery, poor or little help for those mentally challenged and beyond. Have Christians committed terrible deeds? We know the answer is yes. They were deluded, they lost perspective, confused their fears and resentments with God's loving will. We have to be careful. Whenever we think we know what God's will is, to what we submit our egos and give thanks, but it does happen when that is the holy thing to do, the right way to pray. Prayers from the Bible, prayers from you and me, can find us setting aside our agendas so that God's desires might flow to us and through us, or through what happens to us. When Walter Payton was asked if he was angry at God for the disease that would kill him, Payton said, are you kidding me? God is going to make sure something good is going to come out of this. And there's all these organ donations that have, that really started a big time after, after his passing. I think Jesus knew that our salvation was going to come out of what happened with him along. along something else that happened on G, Jesus' crucifixion is God's ability to be in solidarity with those who suffer. Because God was in Christ. So God experienced what Jesus experienced. That happens because of Good Friday. Something good may arise when my own prayers are not met and God plans for that to happen. This is faith and love and trust and hope. We hear the surrender of the personal will over the divine will in Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, and there may well be times that you and I pray the very same thing in our own threatening storms of life. We've got that part of the prayer of Gethsemane sometimes in us, if not a lot of times. Not what I want, but what you want. And not that the Father wanted Jesus to suffer and die, but God wanted the final accomplishment, the forgiveness of sins, and that establishment of solidarity with the suffering of the world. While Good Friday was happening, Sunday was coming. So looking back a bit, Thanksgiving in the midst of praying desperately for help, those are prayers of the Bible and prayers of us. Laying down our agenda in prayer so that God's agenda, if it is different, can take place through us. Found Jesus praying first for deliverance, but then not his will but the Father's be done if it did turn out to be different. That's a prayer of the Bible and a prayer of us. Lastly, and somewhat connected to the first two observations, prayers of the Bible and prayers of you and me call out for peace when we are far from peace. If we were to take a moment to think about it, uh, when you or I were really full of anxiety about something or someone, maybe to the point of being scared, I'll bet you prayed. I know that I prayed. You might have prayed fervently. I've prayed fervently. 
And Paul knew such anxiety firsthand. And this is what he told the church at Philippi, also very anxious. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is what Paul offers. God's peace is what Paul offers to the Philippians. But the offer is surrounded by important stuff. First, we note that Paul tells the believers that their supplications and other prayers are to be side by side with thanksgiving. Gordon Fee did a commentary, and he wrote that thanksgiving does not mean to say thank you in advance for the gift to be received. Rather, it's the basic posture of the believer and the proper context for petitioning God. It is also key to the affirmation that follows in Philippians. He continued, God's peace is God's alternative to anxiety in the form of affirmation and promise. As we submit our situation to God in prayer with thanksgiving, the peace of God in turn will guard our hearts and minds because we are. We are in Christ Jesus. Our prayer to the God who is totally trustworthy is accompanied by God's peace, not because God answers according to our wishes, but because, and I underline this, God's peace totally transforms our merely human way of perceiving the world. God's peace totally transforms our merely human way of perceiving the world. If God's peace which surpasses all human understanding, is guarding our hearts and minds in Christ, think about the picture that paints. It's easy just to on guard, we'll be on guard, or we'll whatever. It, if God's peace is guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ, that means that God's peace is on duty, like a sentry. God's peace is on guard to protect us from the attacks that come from these anxious thoughts, new threats, and doubts. The result of believing prayer is that the peace of God will stand like a sentinel or guard upon our hearts. Fred Craddock would say to the Philippians and to us, be alert, yes. Be anxious, no. The peace of God will guard them. And the God of peace will be with them, the Philippians and us. Now sometimes that peace is aided by breathing exercises. Slows down our heartbeat. And and I think that that's a physical way of praying that can help us become more calm. And that can be something God uses to calm us down and get closer to this peace that God can bring. And when we pray then, in our very real worries, with thanksgiving, let's remember the love of God, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. The peace that only God can give. 
which we cannot create, is available to calm us because, as that verse began, and with this I will close, rejoice always, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. If Christ is for us, who is against us? Amen. Now, some of you might be thinking, that was a long one. Yeah, it was. And um, I was aware of that when I turned off the recording and it said 19 minutes and some. But I'll only say that it could have been longer. I practiced the sermon ahead of time and there was a paragraph that really just kind of stood there and didn't go anywhere. It was meant to be sort of a transition to the next and last point, but it really did not do that. It kind of was just something I wanted to put in. Well, I've learned to just take that out and uh, keep the flow of the message going. And it was kind of interrupting it, not really helping in a transition like I hoped. I hope that you got some things out of the sermon. Um, One of the members of the congregation commented afterwards um, that she enjoyed the thought about how God wants us to love God freely and without any sense of having to, about there being no choice in the matter. And um, so I told her where I got that. It's, It's a part of my theology that helps me make sense of evil in the world. Because if we're free to choose to love God, that freedom is extended to the opposite. People are free to hate God and to deny God. And of course, we know that happens all the time, resulting, as I tried to indicate, in a lot of cases for a lot of suffering. Um, As we part ways for this Sunday, next week, I'll let you know the September 3rd podcast is going to be about labor because it's Labor Day weekend. And so I'll talk a little bit about that. There's various scriptures I've already chosen. And until then, may you sense that the God of peace is with you. And may this God of peace be with you throughout your week. God bless you this week. And until our paths cross again, if they do, may God bless you and yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.